Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining today's discussion. I'm Ami Copeland, Executive Director of Business Forward, and I'll be moderating our conversation today. Currently, all lines are in listen-only mode. We are pleased to welcome U.S. Senator Bill Nelson from Florida and Amy, and Amy Pope, Deputy Homeland Security Advisor and Deputy Assistant to the President at the National Security Council. They've joined us today to discuss how federal, state, and local governments are responding to the Zika outbreak and what, business, and what the business community can do to help. For those of you who are new to our programming, Business Forward organizes local roundtables, Washington fly-ins, conference calls, webinars, and media trainings for tens of thousands of business leaders from across America. At these briefings, entrepreneurs, investors, small business owners, and executives get the chance to brief policymakers on issues affecting their businesses, how to create jobs, and how Washington can work with the business community to accelerate our economy. To date, more than 550 senior administration officials, members of Congress, governors, and mayors have participated in our programming. This is all, this is all thanks to the support of more than 60 of America's largest and most respected companies. Before we get started, I want to go over a few housekeeping items. First, this call is on the record and list reporters may be listening. A recording of this call will be sent out following today's discussion along with any resources that are mentioned today. Finally, there will be time for you to ask questions and share your advice. You can do this in one of two ways. You can press 1 at any time to ask your question live, or you can email your question to info at businessfwd.org. We'd like to get in as many questions as we can, so again, you can press 1 to ask your question live, or again, you can send your question via email to info at businessfwd.org, yes, and we'll add it to uh, well, we'll add it what's to the happened? I don't hear anything. I don't know, sir. I okay. think they had tried to switch to the other room. Um, I can try and reconnect you. Uh, hey, this well, is well, we, Senator, we are live. And Senator, we are okay. live. Uh, we'd like to turn it over to you for opening remarks and to uh, share uh, what's happening on the ground in Florida. Senator, the floor is yours. If you will think back to the end of July, uh, there were about 300 cases of Zika in Florida. Well, today there are more than 650, 682 who are infected with the virus. Uh, 558 of those are travel-related. 46 are non-travel-related. In other words, a mosquito has bitten somebody and given it to them in Florida, or it has been sexually transmitted. And unfortunately, 78 in Florida are pregnant women. Now, that's where the real danger is, uh, because the actual virus produces what is a mild flu. But uh, when it uh, hits a pregnant female, then you have the chance of that uh, horrible disfiguration of called microcephaly, where the virus attacks the brain stem in the development of the fetus. And that is what uh, produces the very, very tragic uh, results. Well, go back to the end of the Congress before we broke for the uh, conventions. And, of course, I was begging Senator McConnell uh, to pass the bill 
we actually passed a compromise. It was bipartisan. Instead of the 1.9 billion uh, emergency funds that the president had requested, it was whittled down to 1.1, but it was emergency funds desperately needed. In the meantime, of course, what the administration has had to do is to be raiding every other fund that he, it can, uh, including the Ebola fund, uh, just to have the cash to try to get ahead of this. Uh, but they're still lacking on such things as uh, the money that needs to go into the development of a vaccine, even by raiding all of the funds. So that leads us uh, to this point. Uh, over this break, I have constantly asked uh, Senator McConnell, whenever the Senate is in uh, a pro forma session, which it has been uh, every three or four days throughout uh, the remainder of July and August, uh, but they refuse to act. And the very first bill that he's bringing up is the Zika bill, but the one that was passed by the House, where they added a whole bunch of political messages that are toxic to the bill, such as it defunds Planned Parenthood. It would cause the Confederate flag to be flown. Uh, it takes away Medicaid money for Puerto Rico, of all places which it's estimated Puerto Rico will be 25% of the population will be infected with the Zika virus. And so you see what's happening. So now when we get back next week right after Labor Day, the first vote is going to be held. McConnell's going to bring up the same vote with all of the political writers thinking that he can force that and, oh, by the way, that doesn't pay back all of these funds that they have been borrowing from in order to try to stay ahead of it. So it's an intolerable situation. And uh, what we need is you all to send a clear message to the House to stop this nonsense and stop attaching the highly partisan ideologically extreme provisions, uh, which is what they've done, and instead send a clear message to the House members that uh, we're not going to tolerate this kind of behavior anymore when you're dealing with people's lives. Uh, you know, the quickest uh, way we'd get something is if a Zika-infected person goes to Kentucky and starts transmitting it there. Uh, and, of course, that's all it takes is uh, a mosquito in Kentucky to bite uh, an infected person, and then you have the chance of spreading it by that mosquito because the Zika mosquito called the Aegypti strain, it will feed on an average feeding of uh, four people. So you see how much it can spread. And so what I would just ask you all to do, please, 
since uh, you all are the lifeblood of the business community. Uh, please insist that the House members stop this political nonsense and get down to emergency funding. You know, when there was a problem a year ago on uh, the Ebola crisis, and they really uh, got on top of that and contained it. We had to send the U.S. military to set up a hospital in West Africa. Uh, there wasn't any of this uh, kind of political games being played on uh, the uh, emergency funding. Uh, certainly that's the case on other emergencies such as hurricanes, tornadoes, uh, et cetera. Uh, so this nonsense has got to stop, and that's what my plea is. If you all will get the word to the House members uh, so they'll stop playing the political games. Thanks a lot, and uh, Amy, look forward to your comments. Thank you very much, Senator. And now we'll turn okay. it over to Amy Pope. Thank you, sir. Deputy Homeland Security Advisor and Deputy Assistant to the President at the National Security Council. Amy, the floor is yours. Thanks, Amy, and thank you um, all at Business Forward for bringing together um, such an important group of people as we think through our um, response and, and way forward on Zika. And uh, a particular thanks to Senator Nelson, who's been um, just an unflagging champion for the work that we need to do as a community that will benefit not only Florida, but um, thousands of uh, families here in the United States um, and many, 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 many more around the, around the world. Um, so as, as Ami said, I serve as the President's Deputy Homeland Security Advisor. Um, I served as the coordinator on our Ebola response and I'm now doing the same for Zika. And my job is to make sure all of our federal agencies um, are coming together and bringing forward all of the tools that they have to fight the virus and make sure that our communities are as prepared as possible to respond to the transmission of the virus. Um, the President is very focused on this issue. Um, I regularly brief him on it. Um, anytime we see local transmission, anytime there's new development, we're sharing that information with him right away. Um, and he's, he has made very clear to us that this needs to remain a high priority for his team and we need to find the resources to do as much as we can now. If you've heard me speak about this before, you know um, this is not a new issue for the President. He brought us all back together um, in January um, after he had heard feedback from us that we were watching the spread of Zika in Latin America and um, it was emerging in Puerto Rico. And at that point, um, he asked us to assess um, what ability we had to respond to transmission here in the mainland and what we needed to do to get ahead of it. Um, and the frank answer at that point was that we didn't have the tools we needed. And so uh, with that in mind, he crafted with the input of his public health experts a request to Congress for supplemental funding. Um, and that money is to do the critical work to accelerate the vaccine research to accelerate um, and improve our capacity for diagnostics, um, to do the work to figure out where this mosquito is and what uh, pesticides or other measures we can take to mitigate the spread of the mosquito itself, to provide the education to women, to their doctors, to their partners about the spread of the disease and the risks um, to their developing babies, to make sure we have the healthcare services and support uh, particularly for low-income pregnant women who may not have the resources they need to protect themselves from the mosquito bites, 
and to work with our um, partners around the world to do the research that we need to better understand this virus, to assist in their own efforts to control the virus, um, and by virtue of that, learn more about what we can be doing here in the United States. Um, so as I said, I continue to brief him regularly on our progress, um, and we are um, very, very, very focused. So uh, as we said back in January, we knew it would be just a matter of time before we saw a local transmission here on the mainland. Um, with that in mind, we've been working hand in glove with our state and local government partners um, to prepare for the transmission of Zika. Um, it's not a surprise that we're seeing Zika transmitted in Florida. Um, the officials at the state and local level um, have been very, very good partners with us here. Um, they have CDC, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention um, in Florida with a team working very closely together. Um, we're providing the best experts that we can, and frankly, many of them live in Florida, and so we're learning from one another as we respond to the transmission there. Uh, we have provided over $8 million in Zika-specific money to the state of Florida and about $27 million in emergency preparedness funding that the state can use toward their Zika response efforts. And we're doing all of this without any supplemental funding. As Senator Nelson said, um, the President made really clear this is a priority, and so we are pulling from lots of other incredibly important work to make sure that we are able to um, stand with the state of Florida and with other communities as they prepare to respond or as they are responding to outbreaks. But it's not easy. We are, um, we are doing this at the expense of other priorities. Um, we are doing this at the expense of the emergency health grants that we would normally be giving to states to counter other uh, public health issues in their community. And um, we are not operating at the speed in terms of vaccine development and diagnostic development that we would otherwise be operating if we had the resources in place. But at the same time, we are um, we're doing what we can with what we have. Um, as you all know, Puerto Rico is in the middle of a Zika outbreak. Um, we have over 9,000 cases right now that are documented with laboratory evidence, but we think the number of people infected in Puerto Rico is far, far, far higher and will only go up. Um, we've put in place a um, what we call a, a unified command group of um, federal actors in Puerto Rico to shore up their response to make sure um, that we can provide them support, not just in vector control, but in um, support to their clinicians and to their public so that they can take the measures they need to respond to the disease. But um, just to be frank, the situation in Puerto Rico is quite serious. Um, and for that reason, a couple of weeks ago, um, Secretary Burwell declared a public health emergency um, in the territory of Puerto Rico. We are already hearing from the business community that the uh, impact of Zika in Puerto Rico on the travel and tourism sector um, has uh, been a problem. Um, of course, it's coming at a time when Puerto Rico is faced with a number of other challenges. And so um, our goal is to make sure that, that we can work with them to um, be responsive to the public health um, needs of their citizens and also communicate clear and factual information to the public about, about the virus. Um, just a few things to make sure um, you all know what we know about the virus. Um, obviously, it's spread by mosquitoes, it's spread sexually, and it can be spread through blood transfusions. Um, wherever the particular mosquito exists, it's called the Aedes aegypti mosquito. That, that is a mosquito that we know to be the best vector for carrying Zika. So wherever that mosquito exists, 
Um, if, if people come back from their travels to the Caribbean or Latin America or anywhere we know there to be Zika transmission, and a mosquito, one of these Aedes aegypti mosquitoes, bite a person who has Zika infection, um, that's likely to infect the um, mosquito population and can lead to additional transmission within a community. Um, we know that this mosquito is very difficult to kill. Um, I've heard it called the cockroach um, of the insect family, and um, it's because it can live indoors, it can survive drought, it only needs a tablespoon or so of water to reproduce, um, and so and it, it likes to bite during the day, and so the traditional ways that we've used to manage mosquitoes to combat things like malaria are not as effective when we're talking about combating this particular mosquito. We also know that mosquitoes developed resistance in places like um, Puerto Rico to many of the pesticides um, that we would normally use. And um, because it's a daytime biter, um, some of the tools like aerial spraying are not as effective at killing off the mosquito population. So our approach has been to throw every tool that we have available at the mosquito. And, and we have seen, for example, in the Widwood community in Miami that if we use a whole range of solutions, we can decrease the mosquito population. But it really requires the political will and the engagement of all members of the community to get there. Um, it's particularly problematic, um, the virus in particular, is because four out of five people don't have symptoms. And so a person can unwittingly bring back an infection into their community. Um, so we are advising that everybody who's um, traveled to a place that has Zika infection use mosquito spray for three weeks after they come back, um, not primarily to avoid uh, infecting the mosquito population in their community, even if they don't have any symptoms of Zika. That's just a, a good best practice here. We also know that, um, that the primary population at danger is, is pregnant women, and more specifically, they're developing fetuses. And the, the impact, uh, we, don't, we have not been able to narrow it down to any particular stage of pregnancy. Uh, we believe that uh, any pregnant woman at any stage of pregnancy is at risk if she contracts the virus. Um, we do know that microcephaly is only one of the impacts. That's where the baby's head is um, unusually small. But what's happening there is the baby's head is small because the brain has not fully developed. The virus has essentially eaten away at the brain. And the impact of that may not actually be visible at birth. So we have seen some instances where babies appear to be normal at birth, but then we're seeing the development of problems with hearing or vision um, or other skills as the baby develops. And so um, we are not taking any chances when it comes to pregnant women. Pregnant women need to be extraordinarily careful um, when they are in places where we know we have Zika transmission. Um, and that goes for their, their partners as well, because the virus can be sexually transmitted. The partners of pregnant women need to take precautions when they um, either travel to a place that has Zika or come back um, home if they've been somewhere with Zika. So in terms of our funding request, as I said, we're looking for any additional information. Um, so we're looking for money for our research efforts. We're learning a lot about this virus. There's still a lot more to learn. But we do that with par by partnering with communities that now have active Zika transmission, so Colombia, Brazil, et cetera. Um, we are moving forward on one vaccine candidate right now, but there are other vaccine candidates in the pipeline 
and we are not able to move out um, on all of our vaccine candidates because we don't have the resources to do that. So our funding requests ask for the resources so that we can aggressively move forward on vaccine development. Um, we're also looking for funding to supplement the state efforts um, to respond to the outbreak. So first and foremost, mosquito control is a state and local government responsibility, but when they are in a situation where um, they have active transmission, we are providing additional support and our supplemental request um, goes to provide that additional support. Likewise, we're looking for additional funding so that we can improve our diagnostic capability. Um, right now we do have um, diagnostics, but it takes time to get information about whether or not you're, you have the virus. And um, as anyone who has been pregnant or um, knows a pregnant woman, um, and I say this as someone who's had two children, um, when you are pregnant, waiting for weeks to get the results of a test um, feels very unsustainable, and that's not the way we like to be managing this. So there's just a lot of research and technical work that needs to happen, and that requires funds to get where we need to be. So in terms of what all of you can do, um, as I learned in our Ebola response and other public health responses I've worked, um, this is not something the federal government can take on by itself. We need a community response um, to, to make sure that people understand the disease and under, understand the impact on the disease or they can have on the disease. And I, I think one of the most effective ways that you all can engage is to make sure we have very clear evidence-based messaging that acknowledges what are the risks here, and, but also puts this into context. We want to make sure people have the vital information that they need, um, especially if you're working in the travel and tourism industry, um, and to look for creative solutions. For example, we saw uh, Disney begin distributing um, insect repellent to people who are going to the park. Um, you, those kinds of creative solutions that give the public a measure of confidence and actually provide some meaningful protection against mosquito bites. Um, our key messages are really focused on pregnant women, but we know that pregnant women alone, um, while they are the most uniquely at risk with Zika, they alone cannot bring the sort of community effort that we need to manage the disease. So even things like removing standing water or um, ensuring that mosquito habitats are quickly um, dealt with and mitigated are things that pregnant women alone is not going to be effective at, at managing, but we need a community to engage. Um, we also need to make sure people know this is a solvable problem. There, we have some good vaccine candidates in the queue. We have some good diagnostic candidates that we're refining. We have some research that's ongoing and that's promising, but we can't achieve uh, the solutions without the resources to get there. And so that's why we have just been pushing very, 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 very hard on Congress to treat this as the emergency that it is. Um, this is just not the kind of response we want to play politics with. And I know in our, and sometimes in our 24-hour um, news cycle um, culture, if we, people don't see the immediate impact of a disease, they don't recognize the emergency for what it is. Unfortunately, by the time we see uh, babies being born with, with microcephaly and other birth defects, the, the problem will be much, much, much bigger and much more difficult to solve. And, and again, in terms of what you all can do, in terms of getting the just messaging out, being good communicators, thinking about creative ways um, that you can engage in your communities, um, getting out factual information about um, uh, the use of pesticides. There are a range of EPA-approved pesticides that are very effective at controlling the disease without posing a risk to human health. 
um, and making sure communities know that there are those tools that exist. We've seen, for example, in some communities, a strong, strong resistance to pesticides. Um, but because this mosquito is so resilient, um, we think without the use of pesticides, we're not going to be able to manage the, the disease effectively. And so having folks in the business community uh, be part of making that case is, is just critical. And then number one is just making sure your voices are heard. We are, as Senator Nelson said, um, there, this, this, the funding um, on this issue has become very politicized uh, for, for reasons that, frankly, we don't fully understand because the number of people who are going to be impacted um, fall into uh, Democratic communities, Republican communities, and frankly, as we know, the mosquito doesn't care which way you're going to vote um, if it bites you. So we think this should be a nonpartisan issue. We believe there are bipartisan solutions. The Senate already showed us um, that they can come up with a bipartisan solution that they could pass. Um, so we just think that this is something that when the members come back, They've got to move quickly um, to confront the, this disease. We have made a number of cuts across the agencies to pull money wherever we can find it, quite literally looking under sofa cushions and um, you know, pulling wherever, think, wherever we think we have a little bit we can give. Um, but we're spending at, we've, we've already emptied the coffers for the uh, NIH accounts on vaccines. We're already out of money um, in terms of diagnostic development. CDC is about to hit its limit um, in terms of response to the states. And so the issue is becoming quite dire, and um, we need to make sure members of con Congress understand why this is so important. So I'll stop there. I know we have questions, and I um, just want to make sure you guys have an opportunity to ask them. Thank you very much, Amy. Now we'll open it up to your questions and comments. Uh, again, if you have a question, please press 1 to ask your question live on the call. Or again, you can email your question to info at businessfwd.org. Please be sure to tell us your company name and when, where, where you are calling from. Uh, as the queue uh, grows here, we will go to a couple of questions that were submitted online. Um, the first question actually comes from Dorothy Sab Sabella in Mobile, Alabama. Um, question is, how concerned is the federal government about Zika spreading from tourist destinations like uh, Puerto Rico and Miami to other areas of the country? Are there other cities that are on high alert right now? So um, the answer is we are very concerned. Um, there are, uh, wherever this mosquito lives, um, there is a risk that v Zika can spread within the communities. And, and that risk is increased by the number of folks you have traveling back and forth from areas that have Zika. So that's why when we did a, um, we did a state uh, exercise um, to exercise all of our response plans, we did it with the, the 10 jurisdictions, the 10 states and Los Angeles County where we believe that we're most likely to see Zika transmission and we stay very focused on those particular communities. Great, our next question is calling from uh, Sherrod Weber. Sherrod, your line's open. Hi, this is Sherrod Weber. I'm CEO of Innovative Global Supply based in South Carolina, and I appreciate your time today. Senator Nelson, thank you for your comments. Mrs. Pope, thank you for your update. This is a severe issue that we're facing in terms of public health, and you all are absolutely right. It should not be a, a, a partisan issue here. Uh, I have one question, and really, what can I do as an individual 
to have an impact here. I'm going to actually be in Washington next week, and I will be on Capitol Hill. So I'd like to know, you know, first, what can I do to support the bill? And then two, uh, is there an opportunity to really pull some of that funding away for education and prevention? One of the, and you all touched on this, education is going to be so significant here in terms of public health education. And then two, the prevention component, uh, until there's a vaccine, we certainly need to focus on prevention. So again, uh, first question, what can I do next week while I'm in Washington to support the efforts? And two, um, how do we emphasize the need for public education and prevention? Thank you. Both terrific questions. Um, in terms of um, uh, Congress, I think the number one issue is just making your, sure your voice is heard. So. Um, uh, reaching out to your uh, de delegation, reaching out um, to your both congressional delegation, but also um, your governor and um, uh, other folks at home who will communicate to the delegation um, how critical this is. It's just incredibly important that people hear it from those on the ground. And then in terms of education, um, that is a big part of our um, response. We are using resources we now have to get the word out through lots of different um, sectors, not just the federal government engaging um, the celebrities and clinicians and a, a range of folks, but that is the effort we believe needs to be amplified and that's part of why we're seeking that, that additional funding. Wonderful, thank you. Our next question is going to go to Sally West. Sally, your line's open. Thank you so much. Um, I am with Walgreens and I'm based out of Florida. My question is, what can we do specifically outside of lobbying, um, which we certainly can help with, but outside of lobbying, what can a company like mine do to assist you um, with your efforts? I know one of the things that we've got going on in Miami is working with the Homeless Trust to distribute bug spray to the homeless population throughout Miami-Dade. But are there other things like, um, are there prepared pamphlets that you all have done that we could perhaps put in our pharmacies? Or, or what are ways that we can partner with you um, outside of the, the government arena? And thank you so much for that question. Uh, my name is Diana Dukas. I'm the director of the White House Business Council. And Amy just got pulled into a very important meeting. So she sends her thanks for everyone joining the call and, and appreciates um, and apologizes for having to run out. Um, and to that question, actually, specifically, I would love to connect with you offline. Um, there are lots of things that the private sector can be doing um, uh, to help mitigate the risk um, and to educate the public. Um, we've had some great partnerships where you've seen um, some retailers uh, set up a kiosk specifically dedicated to educational materials and, um, you know, uh, uh, to fight the virus and things like that. So I would love for Business Forward to put us to, in touch um, separately and offline for us to kind of walk through the types of things that others have, have done that might suit your, your company. Thank you, Sally. And unfortunately, uh, as Diana noted, um, Ms. Pope was pulled into an important meeting, but uh, there were a number of questions we were not able to get to today. We'll be following up individually with all of you and connecting you directly with the correct resources um, across the federal government as well as other ways that you can participate in these Zika uh, control and abatement efforts. If you have not sent in your question 
uh, please send in your question via email to info at businessfwd.org. We'll absolutely be sure to help to get an answer on that. Um, please join us next Thursday for a call with Dr. Jonathan Pershing. Uh, he is the U.S. State Department's Special Envoy for Climate Change, and he'll be discussing next steps for the Paris Climate Change Agreement and how businesses are affected by that. Uh, please check your email for details. Again, thank you all, uh, especially to Senator Nelson and Ms. Amy Pope and Diana Dukas for joining us today, and for all of you for taking out time of your busy schedules to join us. Um, as I mentioned, we'll be following up directly with uh, the resources mentioned today and helping to answer all of your questions. Have a great day, and we'll be in touch soon. Take care.